0: they can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 20th of June 2013. I always suggest that newcomers make good use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Lots of audios for free download where I take you through the system that exists, this all-pervasive system that's unified across the whole planet and how it's came into being, how very important, very wealthy, wealthy people got together 100 years ago to form private foundations, which all work together with the same agenda to bring in their world society to suit themselves and to ensure that themselves and their offspring will always be in charge of the future, since they would always make it all happen, you see. And uh, it's well documented, even they even have their own private historian, Dr. Carl Quigley, who worked for them in their archive section because they really do have a different version of history, the real version of history, why things really happen. And it's quite fascinating to read his books, in fact. But, um, unless you understand that the system you're born into and where it's all going, why things are happening as they are today, you won't understand anything at all. And you've got to, it's, it's the basis really for all understanding of what's been happening and where it's all supposed to go. So remember, too, you are the audience who bring me to you. You can get the books and discs that I have at CuttingThroughTheMetrics.com. That's all I have. I don't sell products galore to make you live forever and ever and stuff like that. I just simply uh, write my own stuff uh, myself and uh, sell it because that keeps me ticking along. For those who want to keep getting uh, the news coming out, at least this kind of news or the versions of it or the interpretations of it, you could buy the books and just as uh, I say, and from the US to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office, or you can send cash or use PayPal. Across the world, you've got Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal, and straight nations are seriously, seriously welcome as we go through big changes and inflation. All planned, of course. Everything that happens in the world is planned. There's no such thing as an unforeseen circumstance arising anywhere in this planet today, unless it was a, uh, something from outer space, it hit like an asteroid or something. Uh, everything else literally is planned. The wars are planned in advance, sometimes 15, 20 years beforehand. And the same thing with the big crashes with the big banks and so on. That all go- be all doubt, because the boys around the world want to bring in austerity, post-consumerist society, especially in, in the first world countries, and bring you down to a lower standard of living, and uh, they're rearranging the whole planet as we speak. They own the United Nations, they set it up, in fact, the same organization, CFR, Rolls for International Affairs, and they own so many private organizations across the world that also incorporate your governments, by the way, and most of the members at the top of all your governments as well. So really private uh, organisations around the world, uh, very wealthy ones too at that, they use many, many other organisations, NGOs and so on, thousands of armies of NGOs to lobby the governments uh, on behalf of of the foundations to get new laws passed and so on, which benefits the, the, the ones who control the world. It's quite simple, really, and it goes back a long, long ways. Now even... Bernays said the same thing, the master really of, uh, you might say, psychological techniques on the masses. Uh, Bernays said himself that you use existing organizations or you create new ones and you use them to your advantage. And even the followers of them don't even know they're being used for different purpose. It's quite, quite slick, actually, and, and it's run by chronology, as I call it. Chronology is the greatest science of all. And they do have courses in of course, very private ones indeed, for very wealthy children from well, very, very wealthy, select families. They're taught chronology from a very early age, how the world really works. And of course, uh, it's way above uh, the, even the universal levels, uh, including the Ivy League ones too. So we're, we're run by a different system than most folk are taught to believe. And that's one of the most important things too is teaching us all to be very naive, very gullible, and to believe the system is exactly as it's presented to us. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and to most folk, it truly seems incredibly confusing the system that we're in because of all the different kinds of news that they're hammered with every day. Most of it is just data. It's meant to keep you spinning. Uh, A lot of it's untrue. A lot of it's filler in fact and recycled news too. But it also trains you to to feel that you're very insignificant. Tremendous psychological techniques are in use all the time. Remember that uh, I've mentioned so many times, and and you'll never understand it until you read Carol Quigley's works. He wrote Tragedy and Hope, and he was all for this big agenda. And he's talking about the group he worked for, which was the Royal Institute of International Affairs, a private organisation of the richest guys who ruled the city of London, by the way, and owned all the newspapers pretty well across the world and also their American branch, which they decided to call the Council of Foreign Relations. They have branches across all British Commonwealth countries, they have them in India, and they have them in most countries across Europe now, too. They even have one for the whole of the European Union parliamentarians. And their idea was to uh, take over the world and run it in a new feudalistic fashion. They, they decided a long time ago that governments would, wouldn't work. They were in conflict with commerce. And that their banking systems, and they would therefore uh, blur blur the, the distinction between private and public. And we see that today, where so much of the public ownings, uh, um, um, ownerships of, of land and everything else, is getting put into private hands. Uh, and many of the, the 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 things that you have too for your infrastructure is being uh, put into public-private partnerships, but we pay for it all. But Quigley was all for this system. He believed that a world socialist system where um, big bureaucracies would run the, the general public from birth to death, by the way, and train them into a new system of being happy, obedient servants, basically. And he was all, all for it. And he said, uh, this, this is what he said in his book, one of his books, he says, Now remember, the Royal Church of International Affairs created the Bank for International Settlements. That was to be the kingpin. Bank that would run the world eventually. Underneath it was an umbrella. It was an umbrella organization of private central banks. And we have them all under the Bank for International Settlement. So this all privately owned under this one organization. And, and it says here, the powers of financial capitalism had a far reaching aim. This is from Tragedy and Hope. And it says nothing less than to create a world system of financial control in private hands, able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole. This system was to be controlled in a feudalistic fashion by the central banks of the world acting in concert, that's together, by secret agreements arrived at in frequent private meetings and conferences. That was in chapter 20, A Tragedy and Hope. Now, we're living through all this, So much for your democracies and your voting and so on. Remember, Quigley also says in the same book, and his other book, The Anglo-American Establishment, which is even more telling, he said that they've been been putting presidents and prime ministers in in first world countries. Uh, And he was talking in in the 1960s, he says, since the late 1800s. So it doesn't matter about the rest of them, they're just the train seals that clap and hope to get up the ladder. But the ones at the top are all members of this one private organisation. Don't forget that. So, again, uh, financial control in private hands is able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole. Now, the Royal of International Affairs set up the United Nations. Uh, they, they set up the World Bank, the Bank for International Settlements, the, the International Monetary Fund. And they graft their boys on to governments like the International Monetary Fund boys into your governments to, to then dictate to government. And talking of that, it goes on to this article here too, which says, Top IMF official joins the White House as special assistant on international economic affairs. Unelected again, you see. So, International Monetary Fund's external relations director, Carolyn Atkinson, resigned Thursday after being appointed uh, as a White House special assistant to the president for international economic affairs. She was appointed to the IMF post in November 2008. The IMF will begin shortly the process of selecting a new ex-EXR director. Mr. Jerry Rice will serve, effective immediately as acting director. According to a statement released to the press by IMF chief, Christine Lagarde, Atkinson had contributed significantly to strengthening the fund's reputation. Well, Atkinson's job was to help the plunder countries, folks, because that's what the IMF does. It acts as a strong arm for debt collection collection to, to the to the World Bank that's its main function and she helped put Ireland under the under the big heavy fist as well so now she's been appointed to help oversee the US government and economy none of you vote them in this has been going on forever your whole life long and most you don't even know it so it says that um Carol Nackerson joined the EXR when the global financial crisis was raging. With deep experience as an economist and a communicator, she was successfully led the Fund's outreach through very challenging times. Speaking of someone who has the audience perspective, I can say she has substantially contributed to strengthening the Fund's reputation in recent years, said Ms. Lagarde. See, they're all in it together. I told you they put all their leaders in, including Lagarde as well, by the way. During her fun career, Carolyn has made important contributions across a wide range of issues, including country and policy works in the European Department. So he's a person from the IMF making policy works in the European Department, the Western Hemisphere Department, and the Policy Development and Review Department, now the Strategy Policy and Review Department, added the IMF chief. So... She's uh, constantly displayed her intellectual strengths, blah, 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 the usual nonsense, including management style, and would benefit from her experience, experience gained at the Bank of England, she worked for the Private Bank of England, the US Treasury, and the Council on Foreign Relations, which of course she's a member of, the Royal Institute of International Affairs. This is, every country has these people grafted to them. Did you know that? And you won't find it in anybody's charter, or any, any government charter that's that, that supposed to do this. Because you see, they run your governments, and they have, for a hundred years. Quite simple, folks. So keep voting, keep believing in democracy, and good luck to you. Good luck to you. Now, I mentioned too that the big idea, as quickly said, was to bring, to privatize, eventually, gradually, and train the public of privatization of all the institutions that they have and to bring in a socialist-type system with massive bureaucracies, which we now have today. But um, there are also private tanks in the military in countries as well. Because you understand, under, under various conventions they've already signed, Geneva Conventions and so on, uh, they don't fall under uh, the Geneva Conventions if you've got a privatized military, especially if they use it on your own people at home. And I mentioned this one before, it says, Warning for a private army running Britain after the government increases spending on the security firm G-Force by £65 million. Now, G-Force is into everything. You wouldn't believe how many things are into mass prisons, uh, giant prisons. Uh, they also run the prisons for Israel, by the way, in look up the Palestinians, which is, is a way of getting around the Geneva Convention, because, again, if the Israelis did it themselves, they would be subject to the convention even though they were signed it. But um, the G-Force are not. They're a private company. That's how they get around it. But it says here the controversial, uh, controversial firm saw income from UK taxpayers rise by 20% last year, and the company earned £394 million in 2012-13, up from £328.5 million. So uh, it's going on and on ahead as we get privatized, too, for the coming riots and, and su- suppression, which they will bring on as they devalue your currencies into austerity. And that's the plan, of course, is to bring you into austerity. Remember Bill Gates, too, the great philanthropist, they're all front men, these people, uh, also has a massive shares. He's bought massive shares in the G-Force because it's going to make a lot of money across the world. And also, too, it says women delivered Bill Gates' global push for abortion. I'll put this link up tonight, too, from the Population Research Institute and to show you how it's really, really working and how it's designed to work and why things are happening there. And one little article is kind of interesting, too, because I'm telling the media now, I, I saw a month or so ago, maybe two months ago, there was a sudden switch. A switch had been turned on the media, and you saw them all going into this passive, nonsensey kind of news, like nothing was happening. Big things were happening, but currently nothing much was happening except lots of trivia. And that's because, as Quigley said... Uh, All the top editors, all the big uh, moguls of media, own the media. They're all members of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council of Foreign Relations. They all work together, folks. Because after all, if you want to control the people, you've got to control their minds. And you control their minds by all the information that's put out there for them to receive. And they believe that's all the truth, and they act and behave accordingly. This is high-speed rail project beset by political minefields, it says. Construction, which is supposed to be digging up corridors, pouring concrete, laying track, and otherwise making the country's first government endorsed high-speed rail line rise out of the desert between Las Vegas and Los Angeles, XR says. And it says, uh, but in the years since the Express West project, formerly Desert Express applied for the industry-backed federal loan to finance the venture, it's run into every conceivable political roadblock in this month, one direct assault. The risks to the taxpayer from the funding this project untenable. Rep Paul Ryan and Senator Jeff Sessions, the top-ranking budget committee rep in the respective chambers, wrote to the Transportation Secretary LaHood earlier this month. Now, the fact is, you'll find it's the same old um, politicians in the U.S. whose hobbies, generally the husbands, in this particular case, has big shares in this company, is going to get all the government grants to them, and this person is very prominent, especially nowadays. And I'll leave it to you to figure out who she happens to be. Because, you see, these people are in there, and they treat government like a private business. And they get away with it. They're so powerful, they get away with it. And this is quite normal today, in this day and age. Also, this article came out, too, from the former French foreign minister. It says, the war against Syria, like I said before, nothing comes out of the blue. The war against Syria was planned two years before Even the Arab Spring In other words, before we sent in all the students to protest and so on All the NGOs that were funded to go over there and protest The colour revolution We'll be back with this article after these messages Hi, folks. I'm Alan Ward, talking about how things are planned long in advance, and of course, things presented to us as things are spontaneous, and we have to go and get bad guys and stuff like that. Nothing is further from the truth. But it says the war, the war against Syria was planned two years before the Arab Spring, and this is from former French Minister for Foreign Affairs for the government, Roland Dumas. He says. I was in England two years before the violence in Syria broke out on other business. I met with top British officials who confessed to me they were preparing something in Syria. He says this was in Britain, not in America. Britain was organizing an invasion of rebels into Syria. They even asked me, although I was no longer foreign minister, it says if I would participate. Naturally, I refused. I said I'm French, and that doesn't interest me. Damas went on to give the audience a quick lesson on the real reason for the war that's now claimed the lives of tens of thousands of people. It's just this operation goes way back. It was prepared, preconceived, and planned. In the region, it is important to know that the Syrian regime has a very anti-Israeli stance. That was the real reason, one of the real reasons behind it. Consequently, everything that moves in the region, and I have this from the former Israeli prime minister who told me, we'll try to get on with our neighbors, but those who don't agree with us will be destroyed. Will be destroyed. Now, they say that with conviction because America will do it for them. Remember the list that the neocons brought out in America, the neoconservatives, in the 90s, and it was published on their own websites, and the whole list of countries to be taken out, including Syria. So this is an ongoing thing. This is a type of politics, a view of history, why not after all, but one should know about it. Dumas is a retired French foreign minister who is obliged to use discretion when revealing secrets which could affect French foreign policy. This is why he made the statement, I'm French, that doesn't interest me. He could not reveal France's role in the British plan as he would be exposing himself to prosecution for revealing state secrets. There have been many disinformation agents in the British and French press, many of them well-known leftist war correspondents and commentators who have tried to pretend that Israel secretly supports Assad. Those who make such arguments are either stupid, ignorant, or deliberate disinformation agents of NATO and Israel. Israel's support for al-Qaeda militants in Syria has even been admitted by the mainstream press. For example, Germany's Dawech Welt newspaper published a report June 12th on Israel's medical treatment of the al-Qaeda fighters. Israel planned this war of annihilation years ago in accordance with the Union Plan, which advocates a balkanization of all states that pose a threat to Israel. The Zionist entity is using Britain and France to to goad the reluctant Obama administration to sending more American troops to their deaths in Syria on behalf of Tel Aviv. This is from a, a foreign minister from a government, right? Of all the aggressor states against Syria, Israel has been the quickest from, the quietest from the start. It's because Laurent Fabius, Francois Holland, William Hague and David Cameron are doing their bidding by attempting to drag Israel's American Leviathan into another ruinous war so that Israel can get control of the Middle East energy reserves, eventually replacing the United States as a ruling state in the world. has also been a message for Tel Aviv to remain silent so as not to expose their role in the revolutions given the fact that jihadist fanatics don't realize They're fighting for Israel. This is the ideology of Zionism, which cares no more for, for Jews than it does for its perceived enemies. The Jewish colony is determined to become a ruling state in the Middle East in the insane delusions that this will enable it to replace the U.S. as a global hegemon once the U.S. collapses fighting Israel's wars. This is from global research, by the way, which is a far left thing. So it's quite amazing to see them coming up with this stuff at all. But, uh, it's well documented. It, it's not a fable, by the way. This is how things really work in the world. And if you, for those who bother to study it at all, go into the different prime ministers of Israel and they'll talk about the countries they want to occupy and rule over. And all of those countries that have been taken out or are, are on the list. Just facts. Just fact, folks. Things don't happen spontaneously by themselves. And when the U.S. suddenly gets orders to get so and so removed, they go in with the full their full military. The U.S. taxpayer pays for it all. And and uh, what can you say? What can you say? People are so gullible as to go and do it for them, including the unfortunate people who go off and do the fighting too, and they pay for it all financially as well. I'll put this whole article up tonight at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com for those who want to read it. And I hope people can remember things today, because people truly can't remember much at all. They retain things for a very short attention span. Trivia, uh, actually, will will, will attract them more to to stories. They'll remember those things more so. And um, But the things that really matter, unfortunately, today, people have been trained to dismiss them. And they do dismiss them very quickly. Here's another article, too. And it says, U.S. President undermines Catholic schools after the Vatican uh, prefect praised them. After a speech by the the prefect of the Vatican. So U.S. President has made an alarming call for an end to Catholic education in Northern Ireland. In spite of the fact that Archbishop Gerhard Muller told Scots that Catholic education was a critical component of the church. President Barack Obama repeated the oft-disproved claim that Catholic education increases division in front of an audience of 2,000 young people, including many Catholics at Belfast Waterfront Hall when he arrived in the country this morning. (laughs) Now, who's told him to say this? I mean, remember all the U.S. officials, including President Obama, they all go over to Israel for medals. They never give speeches like that over there, remember. They wouldn't dare. They'd be out out of office before the next morning. But they're, they obviously feel very safe, and they've been told to, to uh, do it in other countries It's not in their darn business. In So what is he talking about this for? Also, tonight I put an article, it's called The Forced Depopulation of America's Rural Areas, and it goes on about Agenda 21, and through the different uh, people who are getting moved out across the world, including China and different places. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about so many things, but all they're all connected. They're all connected and with the United Nations being an arm of this private organization that runs the world. And to do with Agenda 21, the forced depopulation of America's rural lands. It says, Agenda 21 policy calls for the dramatically increasing urbanization and forcing indigenous populations out of rural areas and into densely populated uh, stack-and-pack micro-apartments controlled by technocrats. That is true, and in Britain they call it the big society, or everyone's to be crammed into the existing slum cities uh, for 30-40 for years till they die off, because they don't expect uh, them to actually breed very much as it goes sterile and so on. As this this author says, I detailed how the Chinese government under the direction of global corporations like Goldman Sachs, again, private bank attached to the IMF and attached to the World Bank and attached to the to the CFR, is instituting a mass relocation of its population from rural to urban at the points of a gun. That's what they're doing in China. The Chinese military is forcibly removing one million Chinese farmers per month from their rural homes and forcing them into the massive ghost cities from which China has spent nearly $3 trillion to construct. The Chinese government, uh, says Hank Paulson and other globalists, forced the claim that the mass relocation of Chinese farmers is necessary to fuel the Chinese economy. Yet there are no jobs available for these Chinese farmers when they arrive in the ghost cities. Strong industry and the need to fill positions is what drew, America, drew Americans into the cities during the, the Industrial Revolution, not the other way around, as the globalists are claiming is the case in China. What we're witnessing in China is the beginning of the implementation of the Agenda 21 creation of massive megacities, complete with stack-and-pack micro-apartments. As in China, there's a decided plot to move American farmers off their land and into urban areas. This plot uh, commenced nearly two decades ago and is currently uh, picking up momentum. Actually, it's older than that because, again, through the United through the Nations, the Department of Agriculture, they gave a speech uh, back in the, the 60s, and they said that, um, the woman said, who was in charge of it at the time, she says farming is too important to be left to farmers, and she wanted government implementation, and rules, regulations, rules, regulations, until eventually uh, the smaller farmers and so on would be forced off the land, which has happened. It says the, everything's to go corporate farm. You understand everything. It says the American and Chinese methods for depopulating rural areas are different, but the net effect is exactly the same. Can you imagine if the U.S. military, as is happening in China, were to forcibly relocate American farmers to urban areas under the threat of violence from the military. The U.S. would witness the outbreak of widespread violence. Like the Chinese farmers who are being forced at gunpoint off their land, American farmers are being nudged off their land by market forces created by covert government policy. They're also using all the environmental agencies as well, claiming they find this in your land, that in your land, etc. So they fine and fine and fine you until you're bankrupt and that's it, you're gone." This when both countries uh, achieve virtual depopulation of the rural areas of their prospective countries, only the government subsidized corporate farms will remain. Local communities and their individual citizens will lose control overall food, which I th- this almost happened, which is a prescription for disaster, because they're, they're saying they're going to have a two-tier system for food, all the GMO, high poison stuff for the general masses, and they've already got all the places set up under, and away from the rain, by the way, oh, they're all covered massive areas for growing their own stuff for those in the know. They've had them for the last 15 years, actually. So it says... Um, It's just like Mayor Bloomberg, when he says, I will determine uh, what and how much you may drink. Remember he said that? And it says, um, if you wonder why New York City Mayor Bloomberg and and Michelle Obama have been trying to control the size of soda and the amount of sodas one can use, and they're dictating what school children will eat at lunch, the answer is that they're conditioning the American public, that government controls all food intake. Now, that ties exactly in with the recent articles, as we've come up this week too, about the new Obamacare, where you've got to fill in all your, wealth, this, I hate this word, wellness data, including your weight, your size, and all the rest of it, for the insurance company they're going to use, because they're going to put you on diets and so on. You see, all ties in together, but you've already had your conditioning to get ready for it. This is rural, rural uh, flight in the U.S., this is, I know this comes as a shock to me reading that because they didn't learn of these events from Fox or CNN. However, in actuality, the process of moving the United States towards a complete Agenda 21 style of total urbanization has already commenced and began nearly 20 years ago. In 1994, the U.S. became official participants in the North American Free Trade Agreement, which was that so-called liberalized, liberalized free trade agreement. Between Canada, the U.S. and Mexico Under NAFTA, farmers' income in all three countries Has plummeted and millions of small farmers have lost their land While agribusiness corporations, its large government subsidized corporate farms Have reaped, reaped uh, huge profits They've all been subsidized through the NAFTA There's actually a big fund they take from the taxpayer for NAFTA deals, you understand uh, And not only for, for, and what they do with it, is it's not going in your own countries they've, they've, got, they've set up massive farms, corporate farms in Chile And other places that have, you haven't really read much about all for the future, when they put all the ones under here, you, you get all your stuff imported very expensively from the corporate farms. And the big five agri-food business companies have, have been getting huge grants to, to do it. They're all set up and running. NAFTA's had three dramatic effects on farmers in North America, and all three effects further cause dense urbanization as outlined under Agenda 21 documents. This is the roots of illegal immigration, the first notable effects of NAFTAs that it immediately bankrupted over 3 million farmers in northern Mexico. And this group became the vanguard of millions of Mexicans illegally entering the U.S. in search of substance work of any type. What, that's how they do it. You understand the techniques are used. How do we get them all to move when they're doing okay? Let's bankrupt them, put them in poverty, and then encourage them to move north. It's very simple. It's the same as wars all over the world, including the Middle East. Depopulating rural areas by bankrupting U.S. farmers The second dramatic effect of NAFTA lies in the fact that it has catastrophic consequences for U.S. farmers, as a record number of small farmers have lost their farms and have gone through foreclosure, while the government subsidized corporate farms have thrived. Since NAFTA, the average annual growth of the U.S. trade deficit has been 45% higher. Since NAFTA to effect, about 170,000 small family farms have gone bankrupt, which represents a a decline of 21% of family farms in the U.S. The 21% of American small farmers who have been bankrupted since the advent of NAFTA represents a higher percentage of displaced American farmers than what is happening with forced relocation of Chinese farmers to the ghost cities. And what happens to American small farmers who have lost their their work, they either work on their former competitors' corporate farms as hired hands or they relocate to urban areas in search of of employment. And it goes on a bit more to Death by a Thousand Cuts. But that's strategy, you understand. Everything that happens, nothing is spontaneous. It's all well-planned strategy. And we've got to understand that. Also, too, the bad uh, science scandal, how fact fabrication is damaging the UK's global name for research, it says. After a string of high-profile cases, a new agreement between scientists and the people who fund them aims to usher in a new era of research purity. Well, that will be the day. It says Britain's leading science institutions will be will be uh, told Monday they'll be stripped of many millions of pounds in research grants, which is all a big racket to begin with, folks, if they employ rogue researchers who fake the results of experiments. The clapdown comes as retractions of scientific claims by medical journals are on course to top 500 for the first time in 2013, having just 20 uh, 20 a year in the late 1990s when Andrew Wakefield claimed the MMR vaccine caused autism and so on. The government is concerned that Britain's prize second place in global research behind the US will be threatened if more fact-fabricators are exposed. And knows that hundreds of thousands of jobs could easily go to foreign rivals if British laboratories don't keep coming up with new product ideas to be made by major multinational companies in UK factories. All of the countries, 133 universities and colleges of higher education are being forced to sign a new concordat for research integrity, having been warned by major fund providers that those who do not uh, will be refused access to more than 10 billion pounds and research grants funded each year by British taxpayers. Understand, this is even the big military industrial complex. Because all their patents, you know, all the research done through universities and so on. All these airport security scanners you go through were all were all designed and came out of universities, and the patents handed to these big corporations that own them and sell them. It's all a racket. Anyway, a spokesman for Universities at UK, which chaired negotiations with a grant provider, says from next year, universities in the UK will have to prove compliance with the Research Integrity Concordate in order to receive research grants. They're doing this to help demonstrate to government, business, international partners, and the weather public they can continue to have confidence in the research and so on and so on. Well they'll still keep it putting false claims because there's so much incredible amounts of money and, and the false and the false claims that they're putting out. And they happen also all the time. Now, getting back to the private super prisons they're putting up and the G-Force and the privatization of military and so on, it says super prisons could replace existing jails. Britain's biggest prisons could become boutique hotels and luxury apartments under new plans to reform the prisons. And it says jails such as Dartmoor, Wormworth, Scrubs and Pentonville could be replaced by super prisons holding up to 3,000 inmates following plans by an influential think tank. Private again. Guess who it's attached to? Around 30 of Britain's most rundown prisons could be closed, making way for 12 justice villages or huge prison. I love that Orwellians speak justice villages for a prison, eh? And according to policy exchange, the proposal could save the government 10 billion over 25 years. Could see the inner city prisons become boutique hotels, as happened to Oxford prisons 17 years ago. And it says... Um, we need to build larger, newer facilities that use the most up-to-date technology to monitor inmates. New hub prisons will not only reduce reoffending and improve safety, they'll also deliver vast financial savings. Now prisons are being used, as you well know, especially these big super prisons, as they are in China, for slave labour, for the big corporations, the big well-known corporations that, and the guys assemble stuff for, for, for either nothing at all or pennies. So, is it really any different than the system outside where you you run and you run and you run and you pay all your taxes and you have nothing left at the end of the year? What's the difference? It's all a big prison, isn't it? Now, another thing too, it's strange because I can remember back in the 90s a big article came out in uh, the mainstream in Canada to do with a, a guy who designed an underground tunnel to be built from Pigeon Lake, I think it was in British Columbia, and to go onto the Bering Strait and come out in Russia, and as the last you heard of it, it was a whole half-page article in a big before they got tabloids, big papers over were then, and it was all well detailed, and they even said they started it. So here's an article that starts it all over again: Russia greenlights $65 billion for the Siberia-Alaska rail and tunnel to bridge the Bering Strait. Maybe O'Carroll's already got or a secret one uh, from BC to Russia. Probably have, actually. So it says that uh, what could certainly be one of the boldest infrastructure developments announced, the Russian government has given the go-ahead to build a transcontinental railway linking Siberia with North America. The massive undertaking would traverse the Bering Strait with the world's largest or longest tunnel, a project twice the length of the tunnel beneath English, uh, England and France, the $65 billion project, that's dollars, aims to feed North America with raw goods from the Siberian interior and beyond. But it could also provide a key link to developing a robust renewable energy transmission corridor that feeds wind and tidal power across vast distances while linking a railway network across three quarters of the Northern Hemisphere. Big, big projects, Do Money just arrives there. I all will be tax money, too, in all countries involved in it. And also, too... Quebec, that's got somewhat scandals now with its mayor and its, and its particular type of mafia that runs it, uh, getting arrested and all that. Quebec uh, euthanasia bill criticized for enshrining power to kill. It says Catholic groups oppose latest legislative push in Canada. And they want to, uh, says Quebec, bill to allow lethal drug prescriptions for patients in pain would give doctors the power to kill and further lessen the values society places on the ill and dying. Uh, it says here, so I'll put this up tonight too. It will become the normal that, you, uh, that you're, in fact, it's happening in Holland and elsewhere. You'll be given the option. Uh, and of course, they'll have professionals that will talk you into it to take the option to kill yourself. Uh, even if you've got quite a little, little time left and they won't tell you the truth because they want you to die because it's cheaper if you die because they balance it against what's going to cost the, their insurance companies to keep you going. Every, you find them everything into everything today, folks. Because we live in the greatest uh, chronology ever devised. Britain, as you, all, you well know, and a lot of countries now, are ending up like third world nations. I'm not kidding you. Because the things that happen uh, would never have been thought of for 30, 40 years ago. It could have be been to even dream of it. But here's what the, how, what the police did recently in Britain. It says, it says, we don't want to die. Parents furious police use a school bus filled with screaming children as a roadblock to stop gypsy fare car chase. Can you believe this? I mean, it's like something out of... I remember Mad Magazine gave their last um, episode out, their their, their actual book um, or magazine, and they said it was impossible to do satire anymore because reality was too crazy. And it says that the school people cried and said they didn't want to die. The police asked the driver of 70 seat coat, uh, coach to block the path of a car in Cumbria. The car had been heading for a road beyond the bus thronged with people at the Appleby Horse Fair, it says. And it says, um, officers ahead of the pursuit asked the bus driver to position his vehicle carrying 50 youngsters across the road as the cars approached. The children were in tears as the car being chased rammed into the rear of the coach. Miraculously, none was injured, but parents were furious their children were put in danger. The government would say, don't worry, there's plate more where they came from. And that's, that's their attitude today, isn't it? So the drama in Appleby, Cumbria, is now under investigation by the local police and crime commissioner. So, so the police are investigating themselves, again. So that'll go nowhere. As officers asked the driver of the 70 seat coach, uh, coach to block the path of the car, that failed to stop on its way to the, the fair. As understood, the BMW slowed as it approached the bus and crashed into the rear, as it tried to squeeze past. Amanda Daldry, 43, said her daughters, Holly and 15 and Jessica, 30 were in the bus, which was taking the children home from primary and grammar schools. She said the children were filled with adrenaline with what had happened. Excited would be the wrong word. They were agitated. The older ones realised what was happening. Depending on which side of the bus they were on, some of them saw the car approaching and hit them. They should not have used the school bus. What, <laughs> what would they have done if some of the children were seriously hurt? Uh, it's just astonishing. Uh, it's just, asti- but is it really in this day and age? Uh, uh, you know, just to tell you even who, who who was the main policeman in charge of it, or policeman, or whoever it was, or whatever. So, I mean, this this is Britain today. And also, U.S. British intelligence mining data on nine U.S. internet companies and broad secret program. I'll put that up tonight too. So it doesn't matter. We're all getting it, so I maybe mean, what's the point? What does it matter? Eh? We're all used to that now, aren't we? An integration of Canada into a U.S.-dominated North sec- uh, American security perimeter. Again, I've mentioned that before. It's also of global research. i put that up tonight, too, for those who are yawning and are th- going back to sleep again. And this one, too, is to do with... Uh, with. Uh, it's quite an interesting one. If you control the use of words and numbers, you can make trillions of dollars. And you can hide scandals that would otherwise take you down into infamy and prison. He can pretty much operate a whole sector of society and remain untouched Nowhere is this more clear in the criminal work of the US Centers for Disease Control Now the, the CDC is just, as far as I'm concerned, the hurrah lobby group for, to, to sell big pharma's drugs and vaccines That's what it is Even Bernays set up all these organisations in his day Because if experts say something's good, the people believe it So they give him a quasi-official sounding name and the folk believe it Back with more after this Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the Matrix. And it's been a hard job, mind you, getting something worthwhile reading because the media really is pouring out nothing but trivia across the board. It's like agreement because they're all members. Remember, they're editors and they're owners of the one private organization, again, the CFR. But it says, here's the latest blockbuster After writing about fake vaccines since 1988. I thought I'd seen it all. With falsehoods about vaccines creating immunity, suppressed information about toxic ingredients in the shots, the absence of proper controlled studies proving vaccines are safe and effective. But now Peter Doshi, PhD, writing on the online British Medical Journal, reveals a new monstrosity. It's all based on the revelation that most flu is not the flu at all. It says, if you blink, you might know that you might miss this. It says, you see, Doshi states, every year, hundreds of thousands of respiratory samples are taken from flu patients in the U.S. and tested in labs. You know how they say, oh, they've all got the flu. The kicker is, only a small percentage of these samples actually show presence of a flu virus. This means most of the people in America who are diagnosed by doctors with the flu have no flu virus in their bodies. So they don't have the flu. Therefore, even if you assume the flu vaccine is useful and safe, it couldn't possibly prevent all those flu cases that aren't flu cases. The vaccine couldn't possibly work. The vaccine isn't designed to prevent fake flu unless pigs can fly. Actually, most flu cases are bacteria cases or fungal cases or pollution cases, especially with the geoengineering stuff that are dumping us all the time, or tainted food cases or eating GMO cases or something else, but they aren't the flu aren't the flu and also too just to put uh, <laughs> the last mischief of the financial crisis it says as long as has been suspected that ratings agencies like Moody's and Standard Poor's helped trigger the meltdown a new trove of embarrassing documents shows how they did it and it's uh, a good article it says, this is, this is uh, what they always say about financial crisis and teeming rats' nest of corruption left behind. Everybody else gets plenty of blame. The greed-fattened banks, the sleeping regulators, the unscrupulous mortgage hucksters. It says, but what about the ratings agency? Isn't it true that almost none of the, the fraud that swallowed Wall Street in the past decade could have taken place without companies like Moody's and Standard & Poor's rubber stamping it? Aren't they guilty too? Man, are they ever, and a lot more than even the most least generous of us suspected Thanks to a mountain of evidence gathered for a pair of major lawsuits, documents that for the most part have never been seen by the general public, we now know that the nation's two rating companies, Moody's and S&P, have for many years been shameless tools for the banks. I've said that years ago. That's what they are. They're tools they're of the banks. Willing to give just about anything a high rating in exchange for cash. And also, too, they get a high rating in exchange for cash when they put other guys under. Because the banks can then lend the ones that are going down, who've been downgraded, with a higher interest rate on all the loans they give them. Great con, isn't it? This is an incriminating email. After incriminating email, execs and analysts from these companies are caught admitting their entire business model is crooked. And it gives you examples of the emails that they've managed to release and so on by guys working inside the agency. It says, these agencies are the glue that ostensibly holds the entire financial industry together. These gigantic companies, also known as nationally recognizing statistics rating organizations, have teams of examiners who analyze companies, cities, towns, countries, mortgage borrowers, anybody or anything that takes on debt or creates an investment vehicle. Their primary function is to help define what's safe to buy or what isn't. And then they give you a triple A rating or double or whatever. And if they downgrade you, the big boys, even the World Bank and the IMF, can then loan to countries with a much, and they give them a much, much higher interest rate that they can never ever pay off. Of course it's not independent. The bankers, in banking, the big gang that runs it, has nothing separate and independent, folks. Nothing. From Hamish Mousser, Frontier, Canada, it's good night to me, a god your gods, go with you.